Tune in for Weekend Talk That Matters, only on KFNX. Welcome. You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. From the home front is on the front line of this battle, protecting families, parents, and children, raising the flag in defense of traditional values. News, research, and opinion are a part of each broadcast. Join us in the battle. Together, relying on the wisdom of eternal truths, we can rebuild the American family. Welcome. You're at the home front talking with Jane, and we have another wonderful visit with uh, one of our favorite guests, Dr. Frida Bush. Dr. Bush, I understand you're ready and set to go. Yes, I am. Thank you for asking me. Great. Well, we have talked before uh, with you and with many guests about sex education. And, of course, one of the topics that comes up in sex education a lot is the consequences of teen sex. And even in shows where we talk about singles that are back out in the world unexpectedly in their adult years, we talk about the consequences of sex involving pregnancy and STDs. Uh, but tonight we're going to take a little bit of a different focus with that. Uh, Dr. Bush is co-author with Dr. Joe McElhaney of a book called Hooked, New Science on How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children. And we're going to talk about the brain with a little bit different emphasis. Dr. Bush, uh, we have talked about it in the past uh, regarding the chemicals that make sex such an emotional decision and really can co-opt us into patterns of behavior just because we're training the brain. If you want to just highlight that a bit for listeners, then maybe our discussion on the development of the brain and what that means in educating young people will really have added meaning. Well, excuse me, one of the things that I like to tell people is the brain is just a part of who we are but it actually helps to guide what we do in Mm -hmm. our thinking, our behavior. And um, we have to understand that you've got emotional components to it, you've Mm -hmm. got neurochemical component, and you have a physical component. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that surprises a lot of people about the brain is physically it is not fully developed or formed to make mature decisions until the mid-20s. And so... Even though we tell young people they're grown at 18, they can join the Army, they can get driver's licenses, a lot of things you can do at that age uh, legally. But one of the things, making decisions about your future, making decisions about what you will do or won't do, is really dependent upon the not just the neurochemicals, but actually on the brain cells themselves. So you've got the prefrontal cortex, which is where uh, decisions are made, Mm -hmm. and they can be influenced significantly by the things that you do. I mean, you don't even think about walking as a teenager. Right. But if you consider the fact that you practice since you were, you know, a few months old, until now, it just becomes automatically, and it is imprinted into the brain, into those brain cells. Well, the same thing happens with other behaviors as well. Mm-hmm. And so we establish patterns that become automatic. Right. So you've got physical changes that are actually made 
by what we do that keeps us doing them, whether we want to do them or not. It's interesting because uh, when I was in college, one of the big developmental processes that was being pushed in education was behavior modification, uh, changing behavior. And what you're talking about, the patterning of behavior, is something that we forget that when we make a decision today that we are patterning that behavior and I love your uh, example of walking because all of us can see those hesitant steps, those awkward movements, the loss of balance as young kids are trying to get those body parts coordinated to make that movement. We forget that those same skills of trying out life uh, follow us as we get older. Yes, and so that physical component is mm-hmm. very important because mm-hmm. you make those imprints in those brain cells and they continue to do that over and over again. But you also have the hormones that you mentioned that we discussed the last time right. because they influence and also make imprints on those same brain cells. So it, when you get excited, the dopamine Mm-hmm. Make you uh, want to repeat that behavior, and of course, sex is one of those things that releases a lot of dopamine. Right, and you get that high, um, and it makes you want to continue to do it. But you also have two other hormones you have to consider, and those are called bonding hormones, and that has to do with the um, oxytocin, mm-hmm. which bonds a woman to not only a person that is she's having sexual relations with, but it also bonds her to her child. Mm-hmm. And we all know how close mothers can feel about their children, but it's the actual chemical reaction on those brain cells that's making that happen. And believe it or not, there's studies that have shown just 20 seconds of a hug can make you begin to lower your guard and feel close to the person you're hugging. Right. Uh, and oxytocin in females... Uh, vasopressin in males will also bond you. So you've got mm-hmm. a physical change that's going on that makes you repeat. You've got hormones that are going on, and we don't think about that when we talk about relationships. Right. That there is more than just uh, a smile or a. I, I can recall. This is a quick little story. My mother, when we were growing up, would tell us that we should be careful about um, who we date because we may fool around, as she said, and fall Mm -hmm. in love with them, and um, then you will have a relationship with them for the rest of your life. Now, her words implied that if you had relations with them, you would get pregnant, that child would be biologically half his, therefore you would be in relationship with him. But we now know it also implies an emotional and physical attachment. Mm-hmm. Now, my mother didn't know anything about neurohormones, oxytocin and vasopressin and dopamine, right. but she did know about human nature. Right. And that is one of the things that I've always had to appreciate her for because uh, it made you beware of who you even dated. And the kind of thing that she would say also is make sure you find out what's in their big head. Right. And what's going on there before you get intimate with them? Because right. that is just a small part, if you would, 
of a relationship that will continue forever. Now, uh, we just have a couple of minutes, actually probably just a little over one minute here before a break comes up. Can you give us a brief idea of the sequence of development of the brain? The baby uh, is born, and its brain is very, very undeveloped. And then you said on up to the age of 22. Can you give us some key points along that path of development of the brain? And then we can come back to it. If you hear the music, we can uh, pause and then uh, readdress it on the other side of the break. Well, the fundamental understanding of brain development is that that prefrontal cortex, the part right behind the forehead, Mm -hmm. is the part that's not fully developed or mature. And that until you are in your mid-20s. So you start out being able, as I said, to develop certain milestones as you go along the way. Mm -hmm. But the part that actually makes decisions about what you will or will not do, seeking and seeing into the future, moral intelligence, all of that, uh, planning for the future, understanding rules of social conduct, mm-hmm. is not fully developed until the mid-20s. So when you look at the brain itself, the sequence of changes, there are uh, developments that occur uh, more by age 8 than at age 12 and age 16, but that prefrontal cortex, again, as I said, is not fully mature until the mid-20s. And so you have physical changes that make a difference and you become more mature in those judgments as that brain physically matures. Right. And it's the connections between the brain cells where you have the influence of the hormones. Very good. Now, for those listening, we're going to come back to this on the other side of the break and pick up how this really applies to young people in particular, high school students, uh, junior high, and even into college in the decisions of relationships, all the different information that they have to sift through uh, and hopefully make good decisions and w- the position we're putting our kids in. I am going to link on my website, I think it probably already is linked, uh, the book for Dr. Bush. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of the break to continue this discussion. How can we help our kids use their brains effectively? This is Jane from the Homefront, KFNX 1100 Independent Talk. We'll be back. Log on and listen live. 1100kfnx.com. Hey, baby. There ain't no easy way out. Hey, I will stand my ground. And I won't back down. Welcome back. To the home front, you're talking with Jane, and we are talking with Dr. Frida Bush. She is the president and CEO of the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. We're talking about research that she published uh, with Dr. McElhaney in a book, Hooked, New Science on How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children. And if you're just joining uh, us, 
Dr. Bush was explaining at the end of the first segment about the prefrontal cortex, that portion of the brain that develops on through the age of 22 for young people. Dr. Bush, can you just hit briefly again the elements of our behavior and thought that are controlled by the prefrontal cortex, and then we'll go into uh, what that means when we're directing kids towards sexual decisions. Basically, the brain cells are not directly connected to each other, but there is a space between each of the cells, which is called the synapse. Mm-hmm. And the chemicals influence what happens to the individual cells. It's like the electricity that goes between the cells that sends signals for them to react mm-hmm. are based on our behavior. So if we initiate an action or thought and we repeat that action or thought, the experience of that action or thought actually sends chemical impulses to the adjacent cells, which molds them physically so that our brains then habitually repeat that action or thought. Okay. And so that's really, for example, I mentioned walking earlier. You can influence and get better and better the more you practice that behavior. Right. But you could probably think of some other actions that you do that become habits because they are physically molded into your brain right. as a result of doing it. Now, this, uh, with respect to sex education, sexual decisions, uh, and I don't want to limit it just to teens. I wanted to address it with what we know about the brain. In America, we have kind of the two extremes of looking at sex and also its connection to marriage. We have that notion that we're just going to fall in love. It's the emotional high. We look at somebody, we look at them across the room, chemistry hits, we fall in love, they're our soulmate, and it just happened. Then there are some countries where for a good part of the time, arranged marriages were the norm in that culture. And I've always been interested in arranged marriages because there have been times and groups and situations in our country where uh, men and women committed to a marriage more as uh, an arrangement rather than that falling in love passion. You know, love can develop along the spectrum of those two extremes. But I think what's unfortunate in our country is that we don't, want to approach love and the things that teens do, people do, singles do, as impacting love decisions. We want to just have our love decision on one side and then our sexual decisions on the other. Well, interestingly, the brain actually has three different areas that are associated, if you would, Mm -hmm. with um, love or relationships. There's the area that's for lust. There's a separate area for infatuation mm-hmm. or early love, that tingly kind that sends your heart pity patter. Right. And then there's a more mature love, which actually is a progression of the immature love to the more mature love. And the mature love is the part where uh, husbands and wives get together, where you you make plans for the future and you stay mm-hmm. together. 
But lust is something that people often get confused as love. Right. And I'm convinced that is that early uh, self-centered type, I shouldn't say narcissistic, but Mm -hmm. you really can't tell if you see a person whether their individual is interested in you or if they are just interested in the physical part of you. And it actually is a very powerful emotional state that can cause people to do things they would not ordinarily do, Mm -hmm. but it's self-centered for gratification. That early love is more powerful emotionally, but is generally oriented toward caring for the other person. Mm -hmm. And it's more of a respectful, if you would, early relationship. Lust is more the hookup type. You're not looking for a relationship. You're just looking for physical uh, gratification and hit it and quit it, some people say. Right. But that mature love, which is what you're talking about, is the part that families are built on. Right. And that's when a person is totally concerned about the other person, and it's reciprocal. And the brain actually registers different areas of the brain. It shows it. They have done mm-hmm. MRI studies where if you show someone pictures, let's say pornography, there's a different area of the brain that lights up, and that's how we know this mm-hmm. is physiological it's not just all in your head or in your emotions. Now and we're going to time is the only thing that can really make the difference right. in the Right. Now we're going to be talking about marriage uh, later on in the show, and also next week we're going to hit on that uh, quite a bit. And the title of your book, "How Casual Sex Is Affecting Our Children." Casual sex is really the antithesis of marriage and really can disrupt the type of sexual relationship that is beneficial in a marriage. Can you, in the last moments of our uh, visit with you, can you touch on elements of how casual sex is affecting our children? And then we'll direct people on my website to your book and the Medical Institute so that they can follow this up on their own? Well, I can tell you the truth is that 50% of teen relationships break up within six months. Some are even less than that. Mm -hmm. And when they have that made that connection, they still have experienced changes physically. They have experienced the dopamine, which has attached them, uh, made them feel good about it, and the oxytocin vasopressin, which has attached them to them. So when they get that sexual activity, they actually form a physical bond and an emotional bond with that person. Mm -hmm. So when that relationship is broken, studies have shown that depression and suicide is higher among sexually active teens than Mm -hmm. it is among those who have remained virginal. Mm -hmm. They also are more likely to get involved in poor short-term relationships in the future. And it's emotional consequences that can go further. There's always going to be a connectedness when you have sex. Mm -hmm. And you need to understand that it's not just a thing, it's not just a hookup. And sex can greatly benefit a relationship or it can greatly damage it. And I can tell you, over 70% of high school students who have been sexually active say they wish they had waited. 
right. because it does affect every part of their lives. Now, this information that you're sharing with us uh, is really information that can empower young people as adults uh, responsible for guiding them. We certainly can't, we know that we can't pound the truth into their head, but we can share the information in different ways and help give them a reason for thinking through their behavior that that goes beyond just not getting pregnant or getting an STD. And I would encourage parents to get your book, read through it, and feel empowered because uh, we have talked a number of times on this show that just like Dr. Bush Reference the kids that have have regretted getting started in sex early. More than 50% of kids are not engaged in sex. There's this perception in the culture that everybody's doing it and that they can't restrain themselves. Uh, I think this information is very powerful and should help adults and parents feel confident that we can guide our kids to make better decisions. Dr. Bush, I am so thankful that you take the time on the radio out of your busy schedule to share with us, and I look forward to future talks with you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate the opportunity to get this information out, not only to the young people, but to the parents, because parents are the most influential person, according to the teens, in their decisions about sex. So we need the parents to know it and to be talking. Very good. Well, we look forward to visiting you down the road again. Thanks for joining us at the home front tonight. This is Jane, KFNX 1100, Independent Talk.